0: Good evening, folks. This is your host, Terry Farley, in Dallas, Texas. Now calling to each one of you from the eye of the storm. The eye is at the very center of a hurricane. Regardless of how powerful the hurricane, the eye at the center is calm. God's Word leads us to the eye. For the Lord encourages each of us to be still and know that He is God. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Psalm 46, verses 10 and 11. Thank you each and every one very much for joining me this evening. I really appreciate it. Once more, folks, Maranatha. Welcome to all, especially to each of our new listeners welcome to from the eye of the storm tonight we continue our heading for calm harbor our port of call centered at the very eye of the storm wow (laughs) the seas are beginning to get rough folks we're going to need to take a reading to determine our course and direction more accurately toward our home port of calm harbor we must remember our coordinates are spiritual For our destination is into God's divine realm and to the very foot of his throne. Our divine chronometer, as always, is the word of God. And to confirm we are on course, we are turning to the passage which declares for us the course which never fails. God saved me September 22nd, 1974, about three o'clock on a Sunday afternoon, long, long story short, and called me to preach in the middle of a Sunday morning service during the first one I had ever attended as a born-again, blood-bought child of the King at Big Springs Methodist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. A few weeks after the Lord called me, two little old ladies approached me after a service, to ask if I would preach at a Wednesday night prayer service. The date was in two weeks. I accepted the invitation, but later had to ask someone, well, what's a Wednesday night prayer service? (laughs) They said it was just like a Sunday morning service, but only it was on Wednesday night. Since I had some time, I decided to attend the next Wednesday evening to see what it was like, held in a small, beautiful stone chapel next to the uh, main sanctuary. It was the long and narrow with one main aisle with a tiny aisle running down each side to the front. I took a seat in the very back to observe a few minutes before it was supposed to begin. There were only a handful of folks all gathered in the pews down front, watching two older gentlemen and a young lady conversing down in front of the pulpit at the end of the center aisle. They turned to look at me, and then the young lady came up the aisle to inquire who I was. Explaining my presence, she returned to the men and more conversation. Coming back up the aisle to me, she tearfully revealed, Sir, we have no preacher. Would you preach for us? Roughly two two hours later, I closed in prayer. As a new Christian, I was plodding through the book of Revelation, and that was the focus of my message. It was a few weeks before the Super Bowl, uh, January, 1975, and I remember saying in passing, that thing is going to get way out of hand. Uh, and And now I had a mere week to prepare for my first official sermon. Praying for God to give me a message that would not fail, I was amazed to be led to 1 Corinthians 13 and Paul's proclamation that love never fails and the condition of the world today, the shredding of society here in America, cautions we Christians to return to the depths of this marvelous chapter for mediation. Facing the challenges of this present day, our strongest efforts must be applied to God's instruction on Christian love. Jesus declared, by this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another, John thirteen thirty five paul echoed jesus's pronouncement in galatians uh, as we have therefore opportunity let us do good unto all men especially unto them who are of the household of faith galatians 6:10. again paul emphasizing especially unto them who are of the household of faith reminding believers that jesus had declared his followers would be known by their love one to another as times increase in turmoil Christians are to love one another to a point of preference. For any listeners struggling with this truth, they are reminded also of Paul's instruction in Romans. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love in honor, preferring one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Once more, preferring one another. Perhaps one might add from the old marine saw, when push comes to shove, with that, let us embark, First Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Without question, this opening instruction has been taken by heart throughout the body, extending beyond the pale to a point that even liars today speak softly. We return to the emphasis of intent, which is love recognizing that we are the salt of the earth, and especially today, must endeavor to retain our savor. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Prophecy is a gift. We must always be reminded of this, especially in addressing the scriptures dealing with God's proclamations of the future. And these revelations must always be dispensed with love. God's prophecies, both future blessings and warnings of things to come, are the believer's guideposts to the straight and narrow. Verse 3, and though I bestow all my goods, to feed the poor and though i give my body to be burned but have not love it profits me nothing we all need to be reminded that giving is a grace not a payment it is always our privilege and also our honor to offer love especially when we are placed in suffering knowing our reward awaits us in heaven verse 4 love suffers long and is kind love does not envy Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. In these opening verses, we have learned to measure our speaking and actions with God's love, both of which, in times of turmoil, may sound like thunder and look like lightning. And when addressing prophetical events, we must first insist this prescience, or foreknowledge, comes from God himself and is a gift to all who seek to know him, and his plans for the future, all of which reveal God's grace in love. Again, certainly prophecy is a warning to all who turn away from God, but God's word, as in all things, establishes the guidepost leading to his forgiveness, salvation, and eternal life, rather than eternal death. Moreover, we discover that giving to the poor whatever their need minus the impetus of love is valueless and without merit so also is becoming a martyr for personal image unmindful of love is void and empty show all of these points summed up in verse 4 where the disciple learns any and all of these preceding instructions must be continuously imparted with love continuing even over the long haul Of time, and they cannot be prompted by envy, only by love, not embellished in self aggrandizement, nor tainted with conceit. Verse 5 Does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. Now, an ancillary problem, supporting problem, begins to emerge the deeper one goes into chapter 13, known throughout Christendom as the love chapter if one is able to capture the essence of instructions flowing from the initial verses one is then confronted with the obstacles arising from such an accomplished character polishing when confronted with ignorant error the temptation to be rude is overwhelming having the right answer causes the confusion of then beginning to Unconsciously return to one's own way, feathering the nest, for example. Seeming provocations from the less accomplished can easily trip up the most fastidiously disciplined among us, causing the reduction to the worst responses. Verse 6 does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Overlooking sin is often the best action. Rejoicing in truth, however that truth is delivered, turns the darkness to light. Verse 7, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Now, plunging into the depths of this phrase, hopes all things, this seemingly simple encouragement goes far deeper into the matter of offering love than is first readily seen. First, in practice, the unbearable then becomes sustainable. The ridiculous becomes amusing instead of insulting, rendering the offense peripheral and even unimportant and insignificant, worthy of dismissal. Hidden within this next perspective, hopes all things, is of course an oblique yet fertile and greatly increased significance to our rafiomor, our blessed hope the rapture. I know some of you are surprised that I'm mentioning the rapture. (laughs) Just kidding, folks. And lest any think my suggestion of a connection of this phrase, hopes all things, with our blessed hope, is stretching the meaning of the usage in this phrase, consider the Greek elpizo, expected, is the word employed seven times in the New Testament, a derivation of the word Elpo, to anticipate, usually with pleasure. And parenthetically, don't skip over that tidbit, usually with pleasure. Normally, we only anticipate good things. But every boxer will tell you that in a fight, there are times when a blow is anticipated because it is coming so fast. So to emphasize that anticipation is with pleasure also accentuates the fact that Jesus' shout is being expected within the twinkling of an eye as a divinely joyous event. Also, from El Pizzo is also derived the Greek word elpis. Say elpis, which translates to the English as our expectation or confidence. Jesus is our confidence. 1 John 3.3 invigorates our understanding when employing the exact translation of John's encouragement. And every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure. This hope revealing elpis, in English, expectation, confidence. Every man that has this hope in him gives himself expectation, gives himself confidence, even as Jesus is pure. This hope revealing the prophecy of our blessed hope our repermore when becoming fully alive to its practice our daily expectation and more importantly our daily confidence are activated directly and immediately empowering us to hope all things thus we begin to grasp scripture structuring the discipline of daily rather than merely a future focus oh it's coming on our blessed hope This expectation, this daily strengthening of confidence ensures our readiness to occupy until Jesus shouts. Per scriptural prophecy, Jesus is coming quickly within the twinkling of an eye in an atomic moment in the day that must be called today. Which now brings the reader to the close of the love chapter, surmising the end of prophecies, tongues, and knowledge the cessation of all things but love. Beginning in verse eight, love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. First Corinthians thirteen eight New King James version. Verse nine, for we know in part and we prophesy in part. In verse nine of chapter 13, Paul establishes that only partial prophecy is given to man, because only partial knowledge is bestowed. That explains why even science itself is a movable feast. Verse 10, But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part will be done away. (laughs) All searching for the perfection of true, eternal life need only to delve into the Word of God. For a brief glimpse into the beginning of eternity for all believers, we turn to Revelation. Why? Because the psalmist declares, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Psalm 119, 89. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 7. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. Importantly, note the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. And startlingly, there will be no more sea. All things are made new. Verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jerusalem is brand spanking new, truly the real and proper eternal city of God. Verse 3, And I heard a great voice out of heaven, saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God will dwell with men. He himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away god himself will wipe away our tears even from their eyes even from our eyes there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying nor pain the former things are passed away verse 5 and he that sat upon the throne said behold i make all things new and he said unto me write for these words are true and faithful. God makes all things new. He says this to John, emphasizing that John include this promised prophecy in his writing, quoting Jesus himself, because Jesus's words are true and faithful, completely trustworthy. Verse six, and he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. Jesus repeats his final declaration on the cross to tell us die. It is done. Yet now Jesus is referring to another task finished, declaring himself once more, as he did in chapter one of Revelation, Alpha and Omega. He is the beginning and the end. The final word, repeating in detail his promise from his earthly ministry. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely, mirroring John seven thirty eight, he that believes on me, as the Scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Note especially Jesus' reference to Scripture itself, referencing the living water as he is reconciling the Tanakh, the Old Testament, with the Brit HaDashah, the New Testament. For example, Jeremiah 2.13 and Jeremiah 17.13. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. Here, Jesus focuses on those left behind following the rapture. Jew and Gentiles who have become believers in Jesus and are now new creations in Christ, the Messiah, alike encouraging them to overcome with the promised inheritance of all things to those who remain faithful to him throughout the tribulation. And all who die in faith to Jesus shall pray at the throne of grace for God to deliver those believers still striving in the tribulation to overcome until he returns to save Israel in verse 19, emphasizing that he will be their God and they shall be his son. And now returning to the close of Romans 13, verse 11. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Paul, bringing the passage into perspective, explains he is offering a mature consideration of God's love, forsaking the childish responses often retained through life, even by professing Christians. Verse 12, For now we see in a mirror, but dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. The further we travel on life's road, the more obvious becomes the need for clarity in all things. The blessing of a Christian life is the continued call to discipline by waiting daily upon the Lord's leading in all things. There was a day and age when the idea of man taking to the air was considered ridiculous and absurd. That we are entering the foothills of the last days The end times are only too obvious to all who are considering the prophecies of the world of God balanced against the reality of this present world we are walking through. This familiarity can trigger easily quick and false assumptions, alien to God's divine leading. Thus, he implores all believers, especially in times of duress, to wait upon him. This encouragement is repeated often throughout the word of God, from the Tanakh to the Brit He's not worried. He is not in a hurry. He is never late. And he's always on time. Verse 13, And now abideth faith, hope, love, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Jesus challenges believers in Luke 18 to consider their faith. The New Catholic Bible shall be quoted here. The present Pope sitting, a man I refer to as Frank, has suggested that there are other ways to heaven besides Jesus. His responsibilities are admittedly massive, and he is but a man. As Martin Luther admitted of himself, I can err. But show me from the word of God where I have erred, and I will recant. Thus, to all who name the name of Christ on this earth, I quote Jesus. And shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless. When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth Luke 18:8 8. again the new Catholic Bible. in John 14:6 Jesus replied, "I am the way and the truth and the life. no one comes to the Father except through me." John 14:6 In Acts 4:10 through 12. then Peter, Filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders. Moving to verse 10 Let it be known to you and to all the people of Israel that it was in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man standing before you was cured. This is the stone rejected by you, the builders that has become the chief cornerstone. There is no salvation in any else, nor is there any other name under heaven given to men by which we can be saved. The end of hope is more easily explained. There will be no need for hope at the great white throne judgment, because all arraigned in that court shall arrive convicted, only to receive Their individual sentences and the never-ending eternality of love is also easily understood and why is love the greatest because God is love and Jesus Christ is yesterday today and forever although the mountains may be shaken and the hills may totter my steadfast love will not depart from you. And my covenant of peace will be shaken, says the Lord. It will never be shaken. That was a good mistake. It helped me to repeat. Never. My covenant of peace will never be shaken, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 10. And Psalm 37, verse 40. And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. Why? Why shall he help them? Why shall he deliver them from the wicked? Why shall he save them? Why shall they trust in him? Why? Because God gave his word. Why? Because God so loved the world. Thank you to all who are listening this evening. And to any that would desire more encouragement, strength, and comfort directly from the Word of God, you may Google T.L. Farley Books. Sail out into the deep and the far reaches of God's Word, out onto the high seas of God's Word. Sail on in a daily basis and dive off into the springboard of Jesus' parable of the fig tree beginning in Matthew 24:32, and continue exploring the depths of God's love and provision until the day and the very moment Jesus shouts. It is in the fig tree parable in which our imminent any moment elopement on that day that must be called today, that Jesus will reveal his shingle is out. Today, blast off for or edition 5, Jesus' atomic shout at any moment. Per Jesus, take no thought for tomorrow. Per Paul, while it is still called today. Blast off for more, Genesis through Revelation. 25 plus versions revealing scriptural continuity. 1,350 plus verses for your increasing encouragement. A 1,500 plus alphabetical scripture index. For your assurance, comfort, strength, and continued study and the Lord willing until we meet again in the eye of the storm or in the air or at our wedding supper brothers and sisters fathers mothers sons daughters uncles aunts cousins new friends and strangers good harvest Maranatha and And that's the wrap for this evening folks May we all join together in prayer that each of us has a good night. And the Lord willing, until we meet next time, or until Jesus shouts, and we meet in the air, or at supper, here's bidding you all, each and every one, the very best Jesus has to offer you. From the eye of the storm, this is your host, Terry Farley, bidding you a good evening.